So, uh, I'd like to say hi to the Cross Shorts. Good to see you guys up here from Georgia. <laughs> let, me, let me read this passage for you. We're going to be in Nehemiah 8, uh, chapter, verses 1 through 12. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing a square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Mahaziah, and on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Hashabadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra, I practice this, all right? And Ezra opened the book of the, in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord and their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Mahasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Now, you know, we're talking about the 5th century B.C., and uh, all of the teaching, all the writing was done on scrolls. The scrolls were kind of hard to come by. Not everybody, you know, they're, they're, people didn't have in their living rooms uh, a shelf with a bunch of scrolls on it. They, they were hand-printed. They, uh, they were precious. They were very expensive. So how did, how did those people, and you know, the Jews are legendary for knowing their scriptures. How did they read their Bibles? How did they get their teaching? Well, this is what we're going to talk to you about today. Uh, so in the book of Nehemiah, uh, the first seven chapters, uh, the northern kingdom has been carried away by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom Judah held them off for a while, but they were eventually taken captive by the Babylonians. Babylonians are only in rule for about 70 years or so, defeated by the Persians in the latter half of the 6th century BC. By then, Babylon has a significant Jewish population, and Israel, for all intents and purposes, just doesn't exist anymore. They've been occupied, they've been taken over. Jerusalem is in ruins, the temple's in ruins, the walls around the city have fallen. And in 445 B.C., a Persian king, Artaxerxes, allows Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem. And Ezra joins him. And Nehemiah's job is going to be to rebuild the walls. Ezra's job is going to be to refurbish the temple. Now, most of the Jews don't go. Only about 10% of them go back to, to Judah, to Israel. But a remnant returns to do all the work. And before the work is done, they run into an incredible amount of opposition. There are a lot of the villages and 
little fiefdoms and all that surrounding Jerusalem, don't want the city rebuilt, don't want the Jews reoccupying it. Uh, and so they face several challenges. And chapters 7 and 8 of Nehemiah kind of detail their response to those challenges. So in chapter 7, they get themselves organized. They, they uh, continue to work on the wall. They get done with the wall. They're working on the temple. Then in chapter 8, in chapter 8, they have a church service. They get everybody together. Uh, it's not in the temple. It's probably in the Kidron Valley, right outside the temple, uh, a place called the square there. There's some temples. There are some uh, uh, tombs down there now. And here's what happens. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. It's on the other side. The water gate is on the east side of the temple. And they told Ezra the scribe. Now, what is a scribe? Now, up until now, uh, scribes have been guys that copy scripture, okay? Uh, but we can also translate this word as a teacher of the law. He's a, he's a teacher. So the, the, the scribes are beginning to uh, evolve in their roles in, in Judaism. Uh, so Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Now we're not quite sure what this is. It's probably the first five books of the Bible, uh, commonly known as the Pentateuch. It might have just been Deuteronomy. Bible scholars don't really agree on everything that it says. I think it was the first five books of the Bible. That's pretty much what the Jews think the book of the law is. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seven months. Now, this is significant because it's not just a bunch of guys coming together. It's everybody who could understand. So there's, there's an assumption here that they're old enough to process this information. Uh, I'm told time and time again, uh, that young people these days have short attention spans and can't process information. So that's why they need to have a separate group. They need to have a separate teacher and all that. But I got to tell you something. I, I, I think that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Our youngest graduate from Apollos is 10 years old. Wrote her own paper. 35 pages of doctrinal statement. And you know what? They were pretty good. So, you know, one of the, one of the ethos we have here is that we want our kids to learn how to join the service and how to, to listen to a sermon and be part of the church so that when they turn 17 or 18 years old and graduate from school, you know, what we used to do is go, oh, you know, you had your own teacher, you had your own room, there were cookies and crackers and all that, and then we were throwing eggs back and forth and sliding around on plastic and that kind of thing. But now you got to come to church. And we're like, we don't know who these people are. Okay, so... It's men and women and everybody who could understand. So it's the entire congregation. And they heard on the first day of the seventh month. Ezra brings the law. And he read from it. Watch this. Facing the square before the water gate. They're all outside from early morning until midday. We're really talking about six hours or so. So he's reading for six hours. I think we're going to try that today. I can tell you're all excited. <laughs> In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, we'd see that again. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Now, the image that we should see here is people leaning in, 
eager to hear it. They are engaged with what's happening from the reading. Now, we're going to find out a little bit more than just reading. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. That wooden platform thing was an issue about 15 years ago. Uh, there, there were uh, a bunch of pastors out on the West Coast said, the pulpit should always be made out of wood. Ezra's pulpit was made out of wood. I don't think they had plasticine back then. Uh, but there was a dedicated area, a platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shemath, and all of these guys. And Ezra opened a book in the sight of all the people. Now, he doesn't have a book the way we understand a book, right? He's got a scroll. But this is the imagery that we see. He's reading from the scroll in front of everybody. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen and amen. So they're leaning into the reading of the law and engaged 100% with him, and they are agreeing with everything that is being said, lifting up their hands. So we have this listening, and then we have this praise, lifting up their hands, and they bow their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they hear the word, they praise, and they worship. And then we have these other guys standing on the left. He's got 13 guys around him all together. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. They're preaching. They're reading from the book, and they're preaching. It's where we get our patterns for preaching today. It's where we should get our patterns for the preaching today. And Nehemiah, who was a governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, again, you look at this very carefully, we've got the governor We've got the scribes, and we have the Levites. And this is our first record of the Levites being involved in this type of ministry. They're teaching as well. So things are changing now that everybody's coming back to Jerusalem. And they say, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Now, they are mourning and weeping because they are being oppressed. The people around them don't want the temple rebuilt. They don't want the walls fortified. They didn't want these people coming back from Babylon to occupy their homeland. And so they're intimidated. I mean, think about it. These people have lived in Babylon for 70 years. And now they've uprooted themselves. Their kids have all grown up in Babylon. And the ones that came back come back to this strange land and there's all this work to do and there's no way to defend themselves because there's no walls around the city. Later on we find out Nehemiah is working with a ladle in one hand and a sword in the other because there are people coming in to attack him to stop him from doing the work. So what's happening here is they're saying this is not a day for mourning. This is not a day for focusing on our hardships and our problems. This is a day for worship and praise. For all the people, as they heard the words of the law, wept. Wept. They haven't had this for 70 years. It was the foundation of their faith. Now they're able to worship freely in the land that God gave them. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not your situation that dominates the situation, 
It's God, and he's your strength. So all the Levites claimed, all the people saying, calmed all the people saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. It's not a time for sorrow. It's not a time for fear. This is a time to rejoice at what God is doing among us. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the impact that the word of God can have on a group of people. They're transformed. So what? (laughs) What do we care about 2,600 years ago? A dusty land. They didn't even have the internet. We 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 don't even have a recording of this. They didn't live stream it. What impact does that have on us? Well, I'll tell you. We spent the last year looking very closely at who we are and what our calling is. We started the year in January in prayer. And we have, we have as we've gone through the year, we've done these amazing things. We, we started in 2 Thessalonians in January. In February, we moved into the Psalms and looked at uh, prayer and how we could pray the Psalms. In April, we began 1 John, then we followed with 2 John and 3 John. In August, we started Philippians, and we finished Philippians in late November and kind of went into our holiday schedule. But we spent the entire year in prayer and looking at the difference between sound teaching and questionable teaching, maybe even false teaching. And you, and and the reason we do this is we need to know the difference between these two teachings. You, you, you can't depend on me to stand up here and tell you what good teaching is and, and what bad teaching is. You need to be able to do that yourself. I told you this before. We're all going to stand before the Lord one day and give an accounting for everything we've done. And if you subject yourself to bad teaching and the Lord wants to know about that, this, he's not, this is not judgment unto condemnation we're talking about, but there's going to be an accounting. You say, I don't know. That's what John told me. Lord's going to go, you know what, I'm dealing with him over there. I'm talking to you right now. So we're, I'm responsible for what I say. You're responsible for what you hear and absorb. These people in Nehemiah's day were leaning into the word and appropriating it into their lives, and it was having an impact on them. So the whole year we've spent, 2023, looking at what sound teaching is and looking at what false teachers do. And you need to know the difference. How do you know the difference? You've got to be familiar with the Word of God. We've been talking about this for 20 years. You've got to read the Word of God. We all want to read the Word of God, amen? Sometimes we're not so good at it. You know, every now and then, I, I, I know you guys think I'm perfect. That's supposed to be a joke. But sometimes I get up in the morning and go, you know, I, I don't think I read my Bible yesterday. I don't think I read it the day before. Oh. And funny enough, if I've gone two or three days, it makes it a lot easier to go a fourth and a fifth and just kind of forget about it. So that's why we encourage you at the beginning of each year 
to adopt a Bible reading plan. And so we've been talking about this since 2008. We've been distributing the Bible reading plans. We've been encouraging. We've been giving you ways to do that. We're going to do it again this year. So there are a number of things you can do. I'm going to be reading, uh, and the official church reading program will be going through the Bible from the beginning to the end in a year. Uh, We'll be sending that out, uh, Monday minutes and Friday forecasts. Uh, I can email the plan to you if you want to, just let me know. But there are a whole bunch of different reading plans at the Ligonier.org website. Uh, If you go to Ligonier.org and search Bible reading plans there. There's a ton of different reading plans in there, something that will, that will accommodate your schedule and your desires. Uh, you can go to Bible.org or download a, an app called YouVersion that's got a variety of different reading plans in it, can prompt you every day. Uh, I use an app called Dwell, uh, and you can find that at dwell.com. Um, and if you don't want to do any apps and don't want to read on your phone, you can go to blueletterbible.org or biblehub.com. We'll be sending all this out to everybody. And if you want a list of all this, just come and let me know. I'll give it to you personally. And if you don't like any of that, send me an email. But now is the time to make the commitment. Why, why is this important? Brothers and sisters, we're in a dark day. I don't know if you've noticed what's going on out there, but there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And a lot of it is contrary to what we believe as Christians. It's okay. We're told to expect that. Amen? Why are we surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes upon us? It hasn't gotten fiery yet. But the scripture is very clear that we should not be surprised that sometimes the culture doesn't agree with our values. Okay, so, you know, what do we do about that? How do we react to it? Well, we can get, let people get us stirred up and get mad about it and go out and do things in the street and so on and so forth, or we can read our Bibles and figure out how, how did they react to being oppressed back then. And, you know, I prefer following the scriptural model rather than following the emotional model. Now, it's okay, but the reason I'm asking you to read your Bibles is so that, number one, you don't get surprised by all of this. Now, number two, so that you are equipped with the tools that you need to navigate these crazy waters that we're in. Ten years ago, we wouldn't have been having the conversations that we're having today. And so what's, what, what's the solution? The solution is read your Bible. I told you. We had somebody who was an associate pastor here. Came to me and said, you talk about reading your Bible too much. I said, I know that's because nobody's reading their Bible. He said, yeah, well, you talk about it too much. I said, well, let me ask you something. Did you read your Bible today? No. (laughs) I said, I looked at him and said, read your Bible. This is the easy part. You don't have to stand outside for six hours waiting for somebody to read a scroll to you that you have no access to. You can pick it up anytime you want. It's on your phone. It's on your tablet. It's online. You might even have a book. And if you don't and you want a book, take one of those in the pew in front of you. We got plenty of them. So I'm going to encourage you, when you get up tomorrow morning, pick one of these plans today. It's going to take you 10 minutes to pick one out. When you get up tomorrow morning, before you start anything else, take a look at that plan and read those passages for that day. 
Let your day begin with the Word of God. Amen? Okay, so now we want to give some thanks. Where's, where's my wife? <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be a great way to close the year out just thanking God for uh, the things we've seen and the things we've heard uh, and the way he's blessed us this year. So I want to speak for both of us uh, that we have, we've had a tough year. Uh, it might have been one of the toughest we've had yet. Um, but it's been a great year as well because the Lord has taught us incredible lessons. And the part that you have played in helping us navigate those waters has been invaluable. I can't just say that. <laughs> Um, on a personal note, my journey with my mom and caregiving for her started in November of 2017. And I was able to stay with her for five weeks before I crashed and burned and had to come home. And it was cyclical up until I picked her up in, um, I went down to her March of this year. And we caregived here at home for nine months. And when we were given the freedom to place her, when all the pieces came together supernaturally, book, I have to write a book, I can't tell you here now, I realized that this was the beginning of the seventh year and how God is so wonderful. I had made a promise to mom and I said, I will walk you through this entire process. And then I, like I said, I, I had to go home. I just couldn't do it. I think that God is such a God of keeping his word and seeing our hearts that he gave me the full circle. He allowed me to keep my promise to see her all the way through. She's not in heaven. She's in a facility that's taking really good care of her, so much better than the two of us could do even together with your help. So I want to bless God. I want to make sure that you know how wonderful the Lord is and how detail-oriented he is to see backwards in time, to hear the cry of my heart, to serve my mom, and then to open the doors so that I could keep my promise. So I love that about God. He's a God of the details. He's a God who hears your heart, and it may take a long time to see the fruition, but he brings it about. Amen. So, thank you. Amen. Mm -hmm. So from our hearts to yours, thank you. Uh, you've been Amen. a blessing to us, uh, and it's just been, you've added to what is amounting to be an incredible year for us. Thank you. So we are now going to move into an area where you can give thanks. We, we've asked for some folks to send us testimonies. Uh, Kelly's going to read them now, and when she's done, we're just going to open the mic, and you can stand up over here if you like, or you can come up to this microphone and use it. We'd like to hear your reasons for being thankful. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an epiphany last night that we were just chit-chatting, and we said, oh my goodness, what about those folks at home that don't get to attend for whatever reason? What's on their hearts? What would they like to say? And we had three immediate responses, and so I'll read for you. The first one is from Scotty and Jack Foster. Excuse my nose. There we go. <laughs> I don't have a tissue. Scotty writes, we are very thankful for our sweet new daughter-in-law, Abby, and her precious mother, Sonia. 
They are such a blessing to our family. We pray an abundance of God's blessings on their lives and our son's life in Jesus' name. The second testimony came in from Doug Sachs, from Doug and Carolyn. He says, this year in which my kidneys failed and I am now being kept alive by dialysis has been filled with demonstrations of God's goodness. At the beginning of the year, I had a successful surgery to completely remove cancer from my pancreas found by accident while undergoing tests to qualify me to be on the long waiting list for a kidney transplant. In the middle of the year, I had a heart blockage repaired that had been discovered the same way. Finally, on Friday, God blessed my daughter and her wife with their second son, my sixth grandchild. God is good in so many ways. The last one is a long one, but it's a good one. This is from Michelle James for herself and Scotty. She says, and I, I want to read her whole email, even though she said I don't have to say the first part. It's cute. She says, this testimony is just a summary of God's endearing love over the period of the last past years for Scotty and me. We have been, we, excuse me, we have had between the two of us six surgeries and multiple procedures. This is this year. Only one planned surgery and the rest were emergency or accident related. Obviously, that is too long of a testimony to read for anyone. All we want to say is, through it all, this church, our beloved WBF family, as little as we seem, have some powerful prayer warriors. We have felt the love, support, and prayers from everyone, which gives us such comfort. At one point, it gave Michelle enough confidence that as they prepped her for a third emergency surgery, she felt the prayers in the presence of the Lord and calmly said to the doctors that she is not having a third surgery because she has a ton of people praying. Mysteriously, she did not have that third surgery. Later, it was revealed by one of the team of doctors who revealed that she was a believer that it was nothing but a miracle and everything disappeared. That is the power of prayerful, uh, of faithful prayer warriors. We love this church. We appreciate the strong teachings from the pulpit and the body of Christ that serve here. Blessings to all of you as we miss another Sunday, but thank you from afar. We have been truly blessed all year through, all through all these trials. However, we cannot tell a lie. We are looking forward to leaving 2023. <laughs> and she inserted the giggle, but you put it in there automatically. That's awesome. Before we, uh, before we open up down at the pulpit or down on the floor, we did not do the responsive reading. Would you like to do it? And just to have everyone rise, and that way you'll be ready and prepped to come on down, even though my husband just said no. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll show you what a godly wife does. Yes, dear. <laughs> Today. Today. So with that being said, um, the microphone is ready, and we're waiting to hear what God has done for you. He's done a lot. And I think you can come down there or up here, whichever you prefer.
wanted to share with you this morning. That I um, give thanks to God for 70 plus years of good health. Over the last few, things have started to change. And uh, like uh, two years ago, Christmas Eve, I came down with COVID. And it take, took a lot of energy and strength and out of me. And um, I didn't recover from it right away. And so toward the end of the year, I went back to see my doctor and I said, why am I not getting over this? And um, he sent me to a neurologist. And uh, I, I listed for her the uh, things that, have been, that I've been noticing going wrong. And she called them Parkinsonisms. I'd never heard that term before. But after a few tests, she confirmed a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And uh, it's affected my uh, balance, my posture, my uh, walking, and many other things, including my voice. And uh, I, uh, with a regimen of medicine and therapy exercises and other exercises, I've been able to hang on for a while, but I'm trusting in God to see me through it. And I know Parkinson's has no known cure, but I, we know we have a healer. And, uh, and I'm relying on that healer. God and Jesus to, to see me through it. I wanted to say too that uh, 20 years ago I had persistent uh, heartburn and, and uh, was diagnosed with GERD, if you know what that is, reflux disease basically. And I was going to have to take pills for a long period of time for that. But um, at a prayer meeting I prayed diligently for for that situation, and I believe God healed me that time. And I haven't had the problem with heartburn in uh, almost 20 years. So I know God can heal, and I'm relying on him, and I thank you for your prayers and support. I'll go where I can hide behind this thing a little bit. But So God has really blessed me with just a sense of peace this last year, that despite everything we see going on, we, we know we can trust him. Sorry, I'm a crier. But we know that he's with us in everything. So um, it's, it's just amazing. You see what, what is happening out there, and yet we as believers in Jesus Christ and knowing that we have the Holy Spirit in us and the God of the universe taking care of us, it's okay. And we can just trust that whatever he asks us to do, he's going to equip us to do. So then today, what do you suppose I read in my devotional this morning from Oswald Chambers? So he talked about, um, you know, that we oftentimes can get held up and, and be held back by 
regretting things in the past and letting them, you know, um, just spoil our joy. But we have to remember that Jesus died for all those things in the past, and God doesn't want us to dwell there. And so he says, um, for today, we go forth into the coming year. Let us not be in haste or impetuous, unremembering delight, nor the fight, flight of impulsive thoughtlessness, but with patient power of knowing that God of, the God of Israel will go before us. Our yesterdays present irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities which will never return, but God can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. And what do you suppose my Bible reading was this morning? It was David and Goliath. And so we trust in God to be our strength. It doesn't matter what we're up against. And God just weaves all these little details so incredibly just in my morning this morning. So thank you, God. what God is doing, and to share that with one another. So I feel, uh, I knew right away when Maya, we were going to go to that is verse 8, because the people who were scattered out in the crowd, I'm just one of us. We were the ones with the pleasure, the opportunity to share and explain things to people and you know what happens when you do that? They explain things back to you. <laughs> so I'm very, very thankful for that. Many of the testimonies that you hear, and, and frankly, hundreds of others that you won't hear, we were able to talk through in Sunday school class. Uh, also on Saturday morning with the, the men's uh, coffee. We're, we're able to get close in time. That, that whole business, Doug Sack what you just heard from Wayne Johnson. We've been going through that in great depth because that's what was happening out there in that crowd, right? People were listening, and then they were saying, well, wait a minute, I just came down with COVID. <laughs> How's God's word deal with that? Or I just lost all my money in the stock market, or my wife just left me, or whatever, on and on and on. And it, it kind of reminds me of um, Joshua 
there at the end of the book when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, this is our house. I think Joshua was referring to his family, but also his larger family, his house, our house. So I'm very thankful uh, that the elders and the pastor gave me the opportunity to do this. It sounds like we're going to move into a different type of Sunday school, but let me say and urge you all to really consider putting that on your agenda. Because you can read the Bible and not understand the Bible. You can meditate on the Bible and not understand the Bible. But when you start getting with other believers and going back and forth, that's when it really hits home. Thank you. I just wanted to say that um, for our family, we're very grateful for the Lord's intervention. And um, we, like many of you, have had times of challenge. We've had to bury people that we loved. We've dealt with sickness. We've dealt with financial challenges. Uh, but the Lord has seen us through those trials. And um, I know that he'll see each of us through those trials. Um, you know, when we go work out on weights, and I know some of us do, and some of us think about it, <laughs> but uh, when we push the weights around, that's resistance training. We're resisting the weight, and it's making us stronger. And as we have adversaries come against us, and Satan tried to destroy our lives and to steal our joy and to, to harm us. That's resistance. But the Lord is greater. And he'll help us to overcome any of those challenges. And he is there with us and he walks through, through the fire with us and brings us out on the other side. So um, we know that, that he gives us the victory and that no matter what challenges will come against us, God is there with us, and he will see us succeed. And that is the great hope that we have. And that is the hope that our town and our state and our country need at this moment. And we're the ones to bring that hope to them, to say these are the great things that God has done for us. So I would just encourage you, Share that hope with somebody new today and every day. And let's change our town and our country. God bless you. raise it up. <laughs> I brought the Bible up here with me because um, the Lord led me to a scripture the other day that was so helpful to me. Um, 
as you guys know, I've had quite a few challenges this year. And I think every year you can kind of say the same thing. Every year it's like, oh, this year I had this and I had that. And it's just like a never-ending, you know, life is just rough sometimes. And so a lot of you guys know that earlier this year uh, I suffered a huge pay cut from my job and a ton of people in my company getting laid off. And, and then my my best friend, who's also my sister-in-law, and my father both got diagnosed with cancer. And, I mean, it's just been nonstop emotional stuff. And I, I've been struggling with some anger with it. And not just not the cancers. Uh, I don't have anger about it, but my job. Just all the things that have been happening with my job. And um, the pressure that has just been so immense. Um, to, to walk into that job each day with a good attitude has been a challenge, to say the least. Um, uh, but it's, it's just been emotional. And the other day I was praying for God to show me something. You know, I took your advice to take that, try to take that hour, and I, man, did I need that. And twice I opened my Bible, like, you know how you just open it and you just want to see where it lands? It landed on the same exact page both times. <laughs> so I said, well, I think that must mean something. And the Lord said to me, or what I perceived his message to me was that my forgiveness is a gift to you from my spirit to yours. And not just the forgiveness that he's, you know, the, the sins he takes away, but what he wanted me to know was the forgiveness he enables me to give to others. <laughs> he gives me that gift. I don't do anything to get that. He does it all. And I knew at that point I really, really needed to take that and really forgive some people in my workplace. But the scripture was uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, I'm going to start with 9, verse 9. But it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his Spirit. For, his, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So... I knew he was trying to tell me, you know, that I needed to let go. That because he has, let, you know, let go of so many things I've done. Um, but the main thing is that I had to understand that I couldn't forgive anyone on my own. I have a terrible habit of trying to do things on my own. So I think I have to. 
but I don't have to, and I can't. He does it. He does everything. Amen. Hello. Um, <clears throat> I have a little bit of a cough. Um, okay, let me think. Oh, I, Diane's gonna like this. Um, one of my <laughs> one of my mom's sayings was, um, if I can say it right, uh, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, Um, our, um, my ideals of probably how my life turned out with the way my life turned out with kids is a little different than um, what I envisioned, but I will honestly say that it um, doesn't sound like it, but I do mean it. Um, <laughs> um, Todd would agree with me that we're so much better for it because um, God's plans are better than our plans. His ways are better than our ways, and, um, you know, he, he, he's written our story before we're even born. And I just feel like we need to just find the joy in every chapter. Because um, there's, al there's always joy. There's always joy um, in Jesus. It's, you know, happiness isn't based on our circumstances. And um, I just want to express my gratitude for um, our special needs ministry, Love to Be Me. Um, it's the most amazing ministry. And I think we started five years ago, maybe five or six. And we had like seven, started out with like six or seven young adults, special needs adults. Then we would have 10, maybe 15. Last month at our Christmas party, we had 31. <laughs> and um, it's, I'm so thankful for this ministry. And um, if you'd had told me 24 years ago that I'd be a, a, on a leadership team of a special needs ministry, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> um, but God. Um, I just wanted to you know, thank my Heavenly Father for all the many gifts that he's given us. Thank you for those testimonies. We'll have an opportunity to do that again. We try to do this periodically. Just go before the Lord and give him thanks for the high points and the low points. So Kelly did have a good idea. We're going to do it now. We're going to do our responsive reading to close the, to close the service. So if you should stand with me, please. Okay, you have the red part. I have the black part. So this is out of Isaiah 12, verses 4 through 6. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Sing praises to the Lord, for he's done gloriously. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. Amen. Great. In our midst is the Holy One of Israel. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for how you move among us. And Lord, we know that sometimes, sometimes things are hard. 
but Lord, you promise us that, uh, not that you would deliver us from the hard times, but that you'd be with us in them. So we give you praise. We give you praise for the fellowship of this community. Uh, Father, we give you thanks, Father, for everybody who worked so hard to be part of your family. And now, Father, we pray that you bless our fellowship, bless our meal, and a special blessing on the, the hands that have prepared it and set everything up downstairs so that we can just go downstairs and enjoy each other and enjoy some good food. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Visitors, everybody, you're welcome to join us downstairs. We've got plenty of food. Yes. And the service tonight. We do have uh, open communion tonight between 6 and 8 o'clock. Um, you can come in anytime, spend as long as you like. We'll have the communion element set up. We'll be happy to pray with you. We'll be happy to give you some private time as well. So I look forward to seeing you here. <laughs> Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? If you're listening on sermon audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at WBFVA.org. Just click on Giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.